All right, it's been a long time coming. Welcome back to the Celtics podcast. I'm Standard Time Celtics writer Brennan Carey. I'm back again. We got the crew together again. Uh, Sam Schilling, UMass Dartmouth assistant coach and longtime team fan, as well as Mike Lawrence, former Standard Time scribe and another longtime Celtics fan. Uh, it's been uh, probably a month uh, since we were with you. Uh, yeah. It's uh, season ended. The playoff run. Yeah, yeah, made the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, yeah. Lost fairly decisively to the Cavaliers. Yeah, put up a, a game. fight though, you know, stole a game. And now uh, we've been in the midst of an interesting offseason for sure. So uh, Celtics have made one move so far, mm-hmm. thus far, and they traded the number one overall pick in the draft uh, for the number three pick from the 76ers. And well as a future first rounder, it's kind of complicated. It could either be the Lakers pick next year or it could be likely the Kings pick the year after, but it could also be the 76ers pick that year, mm-hmm. depending on who's worse. Or, in fact, if one of them's the number one pick, it could actually be who's better's pick. It gets it's yeah, very complicated. There's a lot of, a lot there's a lot of uh, moving parts that's on been, that. In the last decade, there's, that's the new um, you know, style of tr- trading picks. Is like There's a lot of... Um, a lot of protections on them and stuff. But, this, exactly. but then when, you get, when you're the Nets and you don't put the protections on them, then everyone makes fun of you later. So. Yeah, and I think that they might be the case example. <laughs> like We're reaping the benefits of the reason why right, they do so, these really So first I want to go around and I want to ask you guys, would you have dealt the number one pick to the third pick and a future first? Sam, go first. All right, well... I mean, clearly, I've, I, you know, I've been watching my YouTube highlights, but you know, the front office is clearly um, most of these guys, the top four that we talk about, Markel Fultz, Lonzo Ball, Jason Tatum, and uh, Josh Jackson, have all been on the radar. Uh, Markel Fultz is actually like the fastest um, or the latest riser. Like he's the guy who didn't start, like just made his varsity team as a junior, and kind of has had this like really um, meteoric. It, meteoric rise in the last couple of years. So. I mean, clearly these guys have had tabs on, um, uh, you know, these prospects. Uh, that being said, I really like what I saw from Markel Fultz. I know that we had a really crowded backcourt of guys that I all liked. You know, that being Isaiah Thomas, obviously, Avery Bradley, Marcus Smart, who I'm higher on than than some folks, and uh, Terry Rozier, who I really think is like he came um, on strong. Yeah, and he's a dog defensively, and he's. You know, offensive. Like I think he can actually create and facilitate for that second team. So we had four guys I was really happy with. But again, the way people talk about Markel Fultz and what we saw from him in a very limited sample size at Washington was really impressive. So that was tough. But I guess you know I'm going to defer a little bit to the Celtics front office. But again, these are. It's always funny. I, I always like the draft grades that they give out. You know, the day after, and it's like. Really, we should put this in a time capsule in two years, maybe three years, we should revisit this. Because if Markel Fultz is a generational talent, yeah, Danny Ainge is, this is the height of arrogance and um, he should lose his job over this. But if it comes down that Jason, uh, we end up taking a guy like Jason Tatum, who's a really, you know, ends up averaging 15 points a game on a really strong team, kind of anchors that second group as a, a high post scorer. Then, and Markel Fultz is a good player, but the 76ers never get healthy, and they're always kind of in that maybe make the, you know, hanging out in the lottery, maybe make that eight, seven seed. Then it's a wash, you know, so. Um, and Danny, we trust, you're saying, right? You gotta, yeah, you gotta for, trust him a little bit, because it now, seems like now, yeah, and most of the polls of other GMs in the league have yeah. Fultz being a, a step, a tier above, even Lonzo Ball. Like, a lot of things you'll see is that 
there's Fultz in one level, Ball in another level, and then there's a gap before you get to those three through five guys yeah. who are kind of bunching together. Yeah. So this that is Ainge kind of taking his reputation that uh, that most of those other talent evaluators are wrong, I guess. Mike, would you have made that deal? Well, in, in Brad, we trust also. Like, I don't know how much Brad Stevens was involved in this process. But that management... I'm starting to feel the same way as the uh, Patriots management. You know, like in Belichick, we trust. He does what he does and it works mm-hmm. out. Um, Ainge, I feel the same way. I mean, they're way ahead in their rebuilding process. Number one seed, obviously, all the way to the conference finals. You. A little wish. bit different though. Only one title, and I forget how long games been here. It doesn't right, matter. Yeah. Right. We're right. definitely not there. Four. But the one thing I would. He had to tear down that whole yeah. big three team. And but to piggyback on you of also putting Brad into the mix, is yeah. I really think like an important piece is so Brad Stevens, until you know, whatever it was, uh, um, you know, May 25th or whenever they lost that last game, I think he was totally into the season at hand. And then he had a couple weeks to be at those workouts for those top prospects and stuff like that. So, And it seems like he and Danny have a really strong relationship where they're listening to one another. So I think that Brad did definitely had a, a, a piece in this where, um, you know, either Brad was saying, hey, I really like my guys. I think Marcus can take that step as a shooter. He can show what he showed in, you know, that game four upset, um, you know, more consistently. And then Terry Rogier really hasn't given a chance and this Crowder backcourt would, would move him out. So... Maybe he was advocating for his guys and didn't see Markel Fultz being, um, you know, a tremendous improvement or something like that. But, I mean... Sounds like we're all a little bit on the same page. It all looks a little little strange to us at first. It doesn't quite mm-hmm. add up when you first at first glance, but then you just you got to trust in the Celtics brass well, in order to make sense of it. And, and yeah, yeah. And you do almost wish, I mean, you of course wish that because... So much in this multi-year rebuild process points like to this point where you had the number one pick, you wish it was a Patrick Ewing year or like something like that where there's an obvious one, a generational talent mm-hmm. who you take automatically. And yeah. this year it seems like maybe there's not that. There's a lot of guys in the mix, like a lot of uncertainties. Yeah, and I think I mean I think that's the hard part is gauging the level of interest because it almost feels like for some people and for the ESPNs of the world, every year whether or not there is a phenomenal talent, uh, a Magic Johnson or you know whoever that yeah. person that is just a clear cut Tim Duncan, a clear cut LeBron James number mm-hmm. one, you know they're going to make ben it. Simmons was last year. Well, yeah, Anthony gonna, Davis. Mm-hmm, but they're going to make it seem that way. So it's really hard to tell what's talk and what's the draft. Machine and there's a whole, uh, you know, enterprise um, built up around it. So Markel Fultz seemed to be the anointed one. Uh, he didn't really show it at Washington. It was a pretty terrible team. Okay, was, um, was how many straight games had the season? It was yeah, they were bad, and he yeah. basically just bailed halfway through. Kind of, I mean, Ben Simmons eleven straight games, I think eleven straight. Yeah, and Ben yeah. Simmons had a similar thing at a, a program that was kind of outside of the you know LSU for Ben Simmons, but um, you know he didn't really. Sh- show it decisively on the court, but we were, we kept being fed the line. Markel Fultz is the guy. Markel Fultz is the guy. Um, and then it's interesting to see because guard was one of our positions of strength. So it's saying, 
if you're sold the bill of goods that this guy is the guy, he's a clear cut number one, you take him regardless. You know, they talk about best player available. Like that, you're, the 76ers have uh, gone with that strategy for a long time. Um, but I think what they said is like, hey, the four guys we got, uh, we're usually, usually we don't want to make room away from that though. You know, we don't want to make room for him. Or, but I just don't think they believed that he was significantly the best player available. Or yeah, it was, you know, uh, they were neck they were neck so neck and neck. One yeah. A, one B. Yeah. Um, so moving on here, next question. Now that they have the three pick, do you draft a guy? Like we're about forty eight hours out. It's a Tuesday night right now when we're recording mm-hmm. this. We're a little under 48 hours from the draft. When the Celtics, uh, when that three pick comes up, are the Celtics actually taking a guy and keeping him? Mike, we'll start with you. I think no. I mean, I think so Josh, what do they do? They, they trade it back. They, Ainge and the, the Boston assets uh, load up on more assets and they start making a serious plays for... Butler, or even you're hearing rumors now about Porzingis, or um, and uh, Hayward signing, or Blake Griffin in free agency. I think they they uh, trade that pick, or they do something with it. We so do you still think have... they trade it for an established player, or do you think they trade it within the draft? Established player. So why would you move back if you're going to trade it for an established player? More picks, just more things that you don't think you can get a better player with the one pick than the three pick. I think. Well, it could play into the Porzingis trade because the Knicks are sitting at eight right now, and they've shown a lot of interest in Josh Jackson. We've also heard the Bulls, who are at sixteen, are also really excited about this Josh Jackson, who for us would kind of be a retread of Jalen Brown. Their skill sets overlap so significantly, so. I think in getting an established player, whether it's trading back or trading with one of those two trading partners, I don't. Think it's not necessarily an either or. Kind I guess of, is where know. it didn't make sense to me though, yeah. because you're gonna get a better player, or you're gonna have to give up less other aspects if you trade the one pick than the three. I mean, all yeah. of these teams, like I, very few of them, I, well, I think want yeah. the three pick more than the one. I mean, mm-hmm. are really that much sold on Josh Jackson being so much better than Mark Cousins that they'd rather have, you know, the three pick. So. It just it doesn't make sense as far as the value of the asset to move back. Yeah, well, I mean, there is some psychology in saying like, oh, we traded to the third pick because we're so sold on Josh Jackson or Jason Tatum. Therefore, they're still going to be there because it seems like, you know, the Lakers have made um, made it fairly clear, especially after tonight, they've traded away D'Angelo Russell that Alonzo uh, Ball is going to be their guy at number two. So either of those power forwards who are both six foot eight, just over two hundred pounds. Um, but have very different games that they're going to be available. And then all the, the stuff that Danny's leaking in that we're going to get the same guy at three that we wanted at one. And the right. fact that they did this trade on Saturday and Sunday and it got finalized on Monday, but it was done so much earlier. Usually you see these trades either the day before or the morning before the draft. We have still so have 48 it, hours. It feels like there are, there are more... This is um, the first of and, several steps. Yeah, and there's like a, a fever pitch building because a guy like Kristaps Porzingis, who I really like, is like the ultimate stretch four, who's a you know 21 year old kid who has just unlimited offensive potential, and yet is like bouncy enough and runs the floor well enough, and is so seven long. foot three yep. and can defend the rim a little bit, who's like phenomenal, and I thought was a completely untouchable asset. All of a sudden, his name's getting bandied about. So I think 
Danny Ainge has as kind of a carnival barker has created this this excitement around Josh Jackson where Christoph Porzingis, who I didn't even consider being right. a possibility, is now come up in a number of places. So, so you think Danny Ainge almost single-handedly made Josh Jackson a better asset than Markel Fultz, right? Or at least, I mean, or at least I, think, I think there's a, a psychology, or he's attempting yeah. to. Yeah. I, I don't know I if, that's if people I mean, trust no, their eyes. I'm not saying he's not. I'm not doubting yeah. him. I'm just saying. But, but I also think he that, does, that what impressive. he's done with like Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder and finding guys where he feels like he and his team are seeing something that other people aren't. At some point, oh, for certain. I think I led that off earlier. Is <laughs> like this could be the height of arrogance that like you said, oh, well, everyone thinks Markel Fultz is the next – uh, Deant, um, combination Russell Always Westbrook, to be the Steph guy Curry, but I don't think so. So we could be on the verge of that. And again, I think we're two or three years removed from that judgment. But I, I do think that he is. People are getting super excited about Josh Jackson, where Porzingis He's is all of a sudden. On him yeah, there. so that would be my one. I have to imagine Phil Jackson would also have liked to have traded for the number one pick yeah. overall. Which one would trade away Porzingis. Yes. So yeah. That's yeah. Why, so my that's arithmetic calls. Yeah, for like me, one. I think I would be surprised if they end up, and uh, Mike, we were talking about this uh, earlier before we started recording, trading the three pick for the five and the ten, which the Kings have kind of already put out there that they would do. Mm-hmm. So you end up with uh, basically three picks for the number one pick, the five, the ten, and then this future one that comes at some point. Oh, interesting. With the thinking, uh, in that instance, you, you're thinking the Suns are taking Fox probably. So if you don't think the Suns are taking Fox, you probably can't do it. Right, but right. If you, they if want to leave. If you're Friday. happy with Josh yeah. Jackson or Jason Tatum, and you think the Suns are taking Fox at four, then you can trade down to the five. You get whichever guy falls to you, and then get a, and then you still you know, get the ten pick, yeah. which is extra bonus there, and it yeah. seems to be a, about a ten man deep draft. Yeah, and that seems like a slot of this um, kind of power forward stretch for uh, Laurie Markkinen from Arizona, who would fill that Kelly Olynyk and. Immediately be a better shooter than Kelly Olynyk and kind of, but it would be uh, way too high of a reach to, to pick a guy like actually that. Actually, the guy I had down in my notes there oh, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So gonna... that that would actually work out really. It could be interesting, but it just it doesn't pass the smell test that they're saying. Oh well, we traded one for three and we're just standing pat. And why the heck didn't you stand pat on Wednesday night or, or Thursday morning? Mm-hmm. Because it just feels like they've opened up this window and the bidding war has begun because. The last 24 hours following, you know, every time you look at your Google alert for NBA news, like you're just more and more names are coming um, and th- these trades are happening. So, uh, I'd be interested to see if there's any fire behind all the smoke. Fun week, yeah. Yeah, but I, I think something's Fun going summer. to happen. And that's interesting because the Kings, who have, I mean, man, because they need players. Like, that would be wild if they were willing to, to, to trade two for. <laughs> Two for one to, to jump up to get De'Aaron Fox, who I think I don't think we'll it's probably... that much of a stretch to consider the Kings might yeah. do something dumb. Well, I know <laughs> that, yeah. And I know that their owner gets kind of infatuated with guys and, like, yeah. you know, kind of just, you know, falls in love with uh, players and, it you know, the, the rankings be damned. So it, it could be a possibility, and that would be an interesting spot because we could fill two spots and, again, and then we're, we're kind of waiting for free agency to fill the third mm-hmm. – you know, superstar piece, but all of a sudden we have two really strong rotational players to grow with our young European bigs that are coming over. Then number two, Lonzo Ball is set in stone. Lakers 
if they traded D'Angelo Russell, that would be that would it, seem to lean towards yeah, that. Yeah, I had a I had and it was one like kind of this uh, Lonzo Ball conspiracy theory of like, oh, the Josh Jackson uh, stock is rising so high that you know, and that's the position of in the Kawhi Leonard mold and all these really you know Jimmy Butler these wings that can do it all like Josh Jackson and there was some talk coming out of Lakers camp. Um, so I was, I was excited because Lonzo Ball, just in terms of like watching highlights and seeing a guy that's like absolutely selfless on the court. And I'm not talking about his dad. I'm not talking about what's going right. on off the court. But when you watch him play, I mean, as a guy that is a pass-first point guard, he is really, really fun to watch. And he makes everybody on the team is so engaged, so ready. You know, hands are at the ready. They're ready for the pass at any point on the court. Um, six, six. Yeah, six, six. So he could kind of guard those those wings. Mm-hmm. And then be paired with like a really you know two guards, and he could guard the three on so the other side. Would, would there have been a uh, secret medical? Because uh, you probably wouldn't draft him unless you got your doctors in front of him. So there would have had to have been some under the table, right? You're, you're saying if you dropped a three, then Celtics ended up taking him at three. Yeah, yeah, there was some, or... and, and then that, that was probably from my own just personal affinity for his style of play, um, because that would have been a little far fetched, like a guy that doesn't even work out for you, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and again, because they, they, they don't, they don't share really medical, because that's a unique thing about, um, not all the guys go to the, like in the NFL, everybody goes to the NFL combine. Yeah. So you, they all see the doctors in the NBA. That stuff is, is On the team visits. Usually, yeah. And if you yeah. Don't visit with them, then your doctor, because the elite prospects out. don't go to the NBA combine. So, right. so that is a good point of, yeah, that would have been, um, it was kind of wishful thinking in my, but cause I, I just like the way, dream, I like the way he plays, man. Like as all much right. as Flack is. His whole brand has gotten. He's he's a fun kid to watch. Yeah, it takes a lot of fly for his dad. It's probably undeserved on his shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> now I wanted to ask one more here. So uh, Vincent Goodwill, CSN Chicago, tweeted out that the Bulls had offered the Celtics Jimmy Butler for the number three pick and nothing else. Straight up three pick for Jimmy Butler. We'll go with Mike first. Would you have done that if you were Danny Ainge? I'm on your side here. Why would you not? I mean, of yeah. course you would. Uh, I mean, makes a whole lot of yeah. sense. I mean, to have a top 10 to 15 all-NBA talent at your hands. I'm just waiting for confirmation on this story because it does seem... It seems a little bizarre a little just because... Yeah. And again, I might get the package incorrect, but at the trading deadline, so uh, you know, March of this year, heading into um, you know the playoff stretch run, there was... You know, Jimmy Butler was obviously a piece, but the the conversation was Jay Crowder plus Avery Bradley plus pick one Marcus Smart or Terry Rozier plus the Nets pick, which ended up being the one pick, which then we turned into the three pick. So they got a watered down version of one asset when they were originally asking for four assets. And that just to me, with two years left on his contract, because it's one thing if you're Paul George and you're you're going to be a one year rental, but Jimmy Butler has two years remaining. So for them to to do that, I just want confirmation on this, but it does make me think that either they're letting this simmer, or this is a piece of a greater deal, or you know. And even if this is off a little bit, and it was the first and one player, yeah, not among your top five, maybe. Man, you know him and Rogier, you know the first and yeah. Rogier, you know the, the yeah even the first and Smart, I would do that. The three pick and Smart. Oh yeah, and I mean even you're getting into Avery Bradley territory. I mean like. Yeah, I, I, uh, that's where I probably start to hesitate. Yeah, once I, got, but, I feel like once I made that leap from like smart to yeah, but Bradley Thomas, Horford, Crowder, mm-hmm, those, mm-hmm. Would, those would probably be the, and then Brown probably would be. The yeah, well, that means that we're both saying that this seemed like such a uh, a, 
a slam dunk of a deal right. <laughs> that we we really don't know like, what's going on because out of celebrating because Jimmy yeah. Butler is almost like we're hoping against hope to get Gordon Hayward in free agency, and then you had a chance of you know we have like ten first round picks in the next three years to give up one of those for a guy who's a all NBA player. That was a that was a demarcation that Gordon Hayward missed at the same position. Yeah. So we had a chance to get, you know, kind of a better two-way version of Gordon Hayward for sure, not having to woo him or take him on trips or And you, you still know, have that free agent money to send on spend on a big guy, maybe. Yeah, maybe Blake Griffin or something like that. So Butler is the upside of anybody like who you would draft. Like you would hope who you draft. Right, right. We're still hoping Jalen Brown becomes yeah. Jimmy Butler. Right. And we're probably three or four years away from that. So I just wanna wait for confirmation I mean, kind of this, because real. I mean because one guy that to me guys. we were talking earlier about hubris and, and Danny Ainge about one to three I mean this seems to me like that you could make a much it's easier case almost. for Danny Ainge's trust the process or I know better than everyone or I see him between the lines or Jason Tatum's going to become the next uh, Paul Pierce or whoever you know as a fun little exercise you actually went back the last 16 drafts okay and looked at the number three pick in every draft Oh, fun. And I wanted to see how many guys were indisputably better than Jimmy Butler. How many would you get? I mean, you're kind of looking at my list oh, like sorry, a kid now, but like I was going to uh, say. Avert my eyes. Um, <laughs> earlier, I guess like, What would you expect earlier. out of 16 so, Indisputably better than Jimmy Butler, so became a top 10 at, NBA at player. Team. Yeah, basically right became now. a top 10 NBA player. Um, out of 16. In 16 years? Yeah. I'd say Four? That's the uh, same thing, my guest. Uh, I have solid two. Yeah. Wow. I have James Harden and Carmelo Anthony were indisputably better than Jimmy Butler at the peak of their careers. Okay, and who is in the running? So who else is in the running? Bradley Beal. I wouldn't say he was ever better. He hasn't been better than Jimmy Butler. Yeah, but in his, his trajectory is ascending like he's still. But at this point in their career, you wouldn't mm-hmm. say. And he's got some knee know. issues. He's got some knee issues. Al Horford. Yeah, who I'd say, yeah. Is in the conversation, in the conversation. No, right. not indisputable. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darren Williams, okay, and Pau Gasol, who was the guy I almost moved into the indisputably better, but then I kind of, but then I started debating it, and then I went, well, that's not indisputable. If yeah. I'm debating it, right? So yeah, and the, I mean the rest of them: Otto Porter, yeah. Inez Kander, Derek Favors, OJ Mayo, Adam Morrison, Ben Gordon, Mike Dunleavy, Darius Miles, and then the last two years, Joel yeah. Okafor. And, and the value, it does seem like it's it's hard going position to position because the value of like threes right now that can guard four positions is like, that's the new money position almost. Like obviously you're super skilled guards, but then you almost get like, I'd even include like Clay Thompson in that conversation just because he's so long and, mm-hmm. and can guard so many positions. But Jimmy Butler, Kawhi Leonard, like all these these wings that and we Paul, keep talking about. Paul George about. kind of fits that. Paul George, Gordon Hayward. These are the guys that are the new, um, and LeBron James kind of started that, but these are the new. So is Danny like, Ainge thinking he can play Jalen Brown and Josh Jackson together and it's just positionless basketball and you just got long wings? A few of them. I, Three of them with a point guard yeah. to center. I guess before, yeah, I just needed confirmation on this story because that just it does seem wild the <laughs> but, more and more. But you even can, without this story, I mean, Josh Jackson right. might be a guy they pick. Yeah. I think he's thinking he could play Josh Jackson and Jalen Brown. It doesn't matter who's the shooting guard and who's a small forward. It doesn't matter if they play the same position. Yeah, I need a point everything. guard, a center, and three other guys. Three long athletic guys. I, I think that's the way the league's going, to be honest with you. I, the one worry I'd have about Josh Jackson, because, again, if we just got like the most basic question that I don't know if we've answered in this podcast, is like, who did the Celtics take at number three? <laughs> and I that, keep... was good. that was the last that was oh, okay. <laughs> We can start it right now. Cool. So Answer. not to, you know. But I, I actually think that, 
because Josh Jackson and Jalen Brown's skill sets are, are so similar and like I think that they might be leading in uh, Jason Tatum's direction just because he's more of an offensive facilitator from a different spot on the floor because right now you have like Al Horford who can create a little bit IT who's shown to be a superb scorer and facilitator um, off the bounce and as a three-point shooter and then kind of that intermediate level I think Jason Tatum could very quickly um, in terms of like isolating mismatches and creating his own shot, uh, his offensive game is is very impressive. So I think he would he would kind of be the guy if I had a guess. But maybe kind of that positionless basketball of just get like the most athletic, the most you know the longest, and just be absolute you know monsters on the defensive end. Mike, I guess, and that face you just made on this podcast, which you absolutely can't see that kind <laughs> of like. Shrugging your shoulders, waving your hands in the air, I guess. I mean, that's kind of how I feel about this uh, three-pick. Um, I would go uh, Tatum also, I guess. If not, uh, Prezimek, uh, Karnowski, the man mountain center from Chicago. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. Way against. Yeah. Yeah. Most draft uh, experts have him, playing, yeah. says. have him playing in Europe for his entire career. Yes, Mike has him as the third overall yeah. pick. I like third it. Overall. Um, the future of the NBA does seem to be slow white guys with short arms <laughs> yeah, chugging yeah. up and down Short arms, small hands, and a pot belly. Cordman, yeah. Cordman. Like a Steve Kerr says, players just keep getting shorter and worse. That's right, that's right. No, I would go uh, Tatum, I think. Although, I mean, there is a little hype on Jackson and that Ainge comment on the guy who he would take in one will... Be there at three. Mm-hmm. I think that means uh, Josh Jackson. I just don't see. Yeah. But just with Josh Jackson, yeah. we took kind of a raw, super athletic player last year, and Jalen Brown helped us, yeah. but he didn't bust down the door and just like make his presence felt. So then, like, had a lot of moments though that he came out strong. Like you said for sure. But but then we're signing on. Years. We're signing on for that project with Josh yeah. Jackson. Yeah. Where the Celtics would have gotten where they were with or without Jalen Brown. Yeah. Jalen Brown was not a make or break player last season for them. Right. So, I mean, I think that you it, would, it would be strange. Uh, it would maybe be too much to think that the three-pick this year is going to all of a sudden come in and make you immediately better. But with, with his skill set being so similar. Like, yes. I think you get Jason Tatum, who doesn't have that uh, jumpy uh, defensive shutdown potential of Jalen Brown, but he's like a silky smooth offensive player who just always seems to be able to create his own shot with, like, really nifty footwork. He's, like, got a really awesome-looking shooting stroke already. Um, so I think he could he could find a niche almost with like you know Jonas Drebko is going to be gone, so he could kind of maybe slide into those minutes as being more of like an right. offensive uh, uh, focal point of that that second group, even more so than than Jonas was this year. So that would be my idea, but I mean I'm not I guess one of the reasons we probably buried this so far in the in a draft podcast was mm-hmm. because I think. If, if if I can speak for you guys, I don't think any of us are sold that they're even going to make the pick. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like and then and then when even if they are making the pick, I don't know if I have the knowledge to know that. I mean, I in that instance, I would trust the Celtics brass to know better than I would whether Jason Tatum or Josh Jackson is better. Mm-hmm. You know, like Foles seemed like he was on a different level, so that one seemed like it was right. a little more obvious. But with these two guys, it's I, I mean, yeah. I guess I would have to wait and see how it turns out. I don't know if I would be able to say ahead of time which like I have a strong opinion about which one of these two is going to turn out better between. Jackson and Tatum. Yeah, and I think, to be I think the only thing we can do everyone is, seems to be settled on is yeah. probably going to be one of those. Go two off guys. of needs of like it's do probably we need not more here and offensive shot creation, or do we need more 
long like length pure and athleticism, de- pure yeah, athleticism yeah. defensive transition go 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 so last question here for the names that you've actually seen bandied about at any point who would be at the top of your Celtics wish list um it's bandied about only in the most extreme sense of that phrase but Anthony Davis his name's uh, come up a couple times uh, in reports without a doubt add him in this lineup and rebounding, shot blocking, we're um, in the finals next year. You think that one, he gets you past the Cavs? Yes. Yeah, I mean, Anthony Davis is, is awesome. I just don't know what the Pelicans, after making that blockbuster with DeMarcus Cousins last year. Right. I just, I think no they're going to, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, it would be awesome. I think we're just a year away from that. Like, yeah. if, if that um, experiment just, Proves to not work because they're they're zigging when everybody else is zagging, going two bigs and like all this, um, which could even but, open up uh, Demarcus Cousins to be available. Yeah, but I think they're gonna at least experiment it, not yes. with the twenty game yeah. sample size before they blow it up because that would just be a, a total head scratcher. But again, if Anthony Davis was on that list for me, like Anthony Davis is awesome. I love watching that guy play, and man, he's an awesome shooter now too. Like he can just he's just knocked down from you know. Anyway, and he's smooth. He's a smooth shooter. Like whereas Al Horford's developed a three point game, but it always looks like he's, like I don't know, like you hoist it up. A little ugly, but you know sometimes yeah. it works. Yeah, and more often than not. So Anthony Davis, I really like. I mean, I think ideal for me, I need more explanation on this Jimmy Butler thing because I have, you know, fill in the blank, Jimmy Butler or Gordon Hayward, and I think the way that the league is so top heavy right now. I think that's only helped maybe our sales pitch to a guy like Gordon Hayward. But again, if Jimmy Butler was available for this year's third pick and we didn't take him because we're waiting to then try to make a pitch to Gordon Hayward, that doesn't make sense to me. So I'd say one of those elite wings, Butler, Gordon Hayward, and then I guess the variable that just has kind of popped into the the feed um, today was a, Kristaps Porzingis, because yeah. he would, man, that would be a fun front court with Kristaps and Al Horford, and then all of a sudden, you know, Kristaps finishing lobs at the um, in the paint, but then you still have the five out, and like talk about those lineups where we looked really good with Kelly Olynyk. All of a sudden, <laughs> fill in Kristaps Porzingis yeah. for that, man, oh man, oh man, like we'd have a core seven guys that would be extremely tough, and offensively, I mean, I think we could score, you know, 120, 125 regularly. Like that's a great group. So that's that's who it is for me. All right. One, one guy that he got brought up before, that he signed an extension, doesn't get brought up more, but I have seen his name once or twice here, Russell Westbrook. Wow. What if Oklahoma City decides they, they don't want to build around Russell Westbrook? Anyway, just interesting. At, uh, yeah, you know, obviously, mean, he's, when he's uh, before he signed the extension, it was, uh, mm-hmm. it was a lot of talk, and I've just seen a couple things that, uh, that might be what Danny Ainge has up in his back pocket. But, uh, yeah, Christoph Porzingis, Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis would be interesting, though, because he seems like he wants to play the four. And yeah. uh, so then you would have to play Horford at the five, which it also yeah. Horford's kind of proven he's but, not and, a five. And I had, yeah. But I'm sure. And, and that four or five I mean, deep, uh, like differentiation, I thought was really funny, and it kind of became because like for a lot of the play, you know, when when Amir Johnson would start, he was like the four, and then Al Horford was the five. But then they would just match up with whichever big came down the court quick, you know, whoever was nearest to the big. So I think. Um, except for those teams when you're playing, you know, that have a Marcin Gortat or something like that. And I think you have to keep a spot open on your roster, um, you know, for your, your banger, almost like the way hockey teams had like the, the fighter, like you gotta have this guy that 
you know, so Al Horford doesn't get beat up against these kind of old school centers. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think you know. Um, it's more about who Anthony Davis is better. Side. It seems like yeah, Anthony Davis Anthony doesn't Davis want to guard the big. He doesn't want to be guarding Gortat and you know Robin Lopez and the, the different yeah, centers. Yeah, Moscow, like the bangers. Yeah, you go up against in the East here, so. Well, uh, thanks for being with us. We'll see you in about 48 hours who the Celtics pick. I'm sure we'll be back to analyze whatever trades, picks, moves they made. Mike has one more thing to add here before we check out. plug real quick. You mentioned Magic Johnson earlier. I just want to say um, that ESPN, uh, 30 for 30, Celtics Lakers, they're still showing it. I haven't checked it out yet. Is it? It's awesome. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Best of enemies or something like that. Yes. Worth a look. All right, well, there's your plug, and uh, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for being with me, Sam and Mike. Thanks, Brendan.